What happens when a Catholic deacon matches wits with a Catholic radio show host? You get a marriage made in heaven. They may not always agree, but they're always faithful. It's the Akins with their view from the pew on Modern Day Radio. And welcome to this episode of View from the Pew. I am your host, Brenda Aiken. And joining me today, as always, is the man who just today was accused of spending more time shopping than me, the good deacon, Scott Aiken. My gosh, I call you from a store and I tell you I'm shopping. And I got this really quiet response like, I wish I was there shopping. I did wish I was there shopping. <laughs> you were killing a little bit of time today because you had an appointment. You got your second dose of the vaccine. Yes. Indeed. And we had an appointment this afternoon. So there was a little bit of space going between there that you just stopped over and got some few things for the trailer. But in my mind, any opportunity to shop <laughs> is a time well spent. You just have a hard time missing out on anything. I don't like to miss out on anything because it might be fun. Right. Well, you know, we're going to talk today about a person who was very much in that mindset. She didn't want to miss anything. Oh, I know. I love it. Now, the reason why we were trying to coordinate today is because uh, this afternoon we had an opportunity. We were blessed in our lives to have a wonderful nun, Sister Mary Immaculate, uh, be a part of our lives and the part of lives of our children in a very special way. She passed away. She was in her 90s and uh, it was her time to go home. And yet somehow it hurts the rest of us, the rest of us that are left to remember her. When I saw Mother Mary today, she shared with me that Sister Mary was asking her, don't let me fall asleep. Don't let me fall asleep. And Mother was asking, why is that? And then it dawned on her that um, Sister Mary didn't want to fall asleep because she didn't want to miss seeing Jesus when he came. And it was, it was so powerful of the childlike nature that we are, we ultimately become here. She is in her nineties. And yet she has this desire to not miss Christ coming because she wants that so badly. And it was a, it was a, I think an inspiration to mother that, that her sister could be that, that committed. And, and mother said, Christ is here now and will be with you into eternity. So you won't miss a thing. <laughs> no, she would not miss a thing. When we first came in contact with them, they used to come to St. Joe's and they would be readers on Sundays. And mm -hmm. we had daughters and they would talk to our daughters. And the older two had opportunities to do vocation retreats there at their convent house. When we found out that uh, Sister Mary had died, when our daughter had commented that you know what I loved about Sister Mary is when we were all there and, and Mother Mary was guiding us through these different, um, you know, workshops during the day. And Sister Mary did, too. But at night when the girls were all wound up and there's teenage girls, we have three teenage girls in our house. We know how wound up teenage girls can be. And they'd have 10, 12, 15 of them jumping around, you know, carrying on. And Mother Mary would have to go up there and you know, get after them and tell them to, you know, go get back into your own bed and go to sleep. It is time to go to sleep. And she'd be a little cross with them. And then Sister Mary would come. Sister Mary was the balm that was soothing the, the spiritual wounds of those girls that were just wanting to be antsy like girls are. And seeing the funeral today, I got to thinking, Sister Mary, never forget to pray for her. Never forget to pray for her soul. And yet I think, how could this woman spend any time in purgatory? Because if she is going to purgatory, 
I kind of worry about my own soul and what's going to happen to me because she lived a life of such faith, of such love of the church and our Lord and the sacraments that you you think, well, I can learn and be like that. How could I ever mirror that? I think what we try and do is we we engineer our salvation in our mind. And, you know, I think Sister Mary was one who would just constantly fall into her salvation. Oh, and we will continue to pray for Sister Mary Immaculate, but I have a feeling oh, all we need to do is ask and Sister Mary will be praying for us for sure. And it's wonderful to have that comfort. Now I have to give you an insight. When I was entering into the church and we looked at the songs that were going to be sung at the mass and what was the first song that was on hail holy queen hail holy queen and you know what i got up this morning and i i clicked on youtube just on a whim and the very first video that popped up was sister act where they sang hail holy queen and i just (laughs) i i couldn't help but think that is sister tweaking me and saying hey i'm here I'm here right in the middle of just your basic moment. And so I took that as a, as a significant connection because how many times has that popped up? Never. It's never popped never. up on my YouTube. I don't YouTube. know why it would, right? <laughs> and it popped up. We ask all of our listeners to keep both Mother Mary and Sister Mary in your prayers. And that leads us into today's show because we actually are going to spend today talking about prayer. And I have an opportunity to talk with Carolyn Pirtle, and she has a new book out It's called 10 Ways to Pray, A Catholic Guide for Drawing Closer to God. It's a wonderful book, and she's going to dive a little bit deeper into it. And after that, I'll share with you some of my experience when I was being formed in my diaconate, just in terms of that notion of prayer. And it was profound uh, opening of my mind to see that how I used to pray and how I pray now is dramatically different. So stay with us. we got a great show ahead for you on this week's View from the Pew. Does Jesus condemn praying the rosary in Matthew 6, 7 when he says, as the King James renders it, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do? Protestants think so. What's the Catholic response? First, Jesus is not condemning repetitious prayer per se. If he were, well then he would be condemning himself, since according to Mark 14, 39, he prayed multiple times, Father, remove this cup, not what I will, but what you will. But that's absurd. So what was Jesus condemning? He was condemning Gentile prayers, which were mindless repetitious prayers, as the Greek text suggests. The Gentiles recited prayers only to appease their gods. They were, as the RSV translates it, empty phrases, having nothing to do with expressing one's love for the gods. That's what Jesus is condemning, not the repetitious prayer of the rosary. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com. Get dialed into your Catholic community by visiting MaterDayRadio.com. Check out our community calendar of events, locally produced shows, prayer hotline, and so much more. 
For a current program schedule and to learn more about this listener-supported Catholic ministry, visit MaterDayRadio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I Radio.com. The bridge between your faith and everyday life. Family life can be hectic, but God can be found right in the middle of it. So take a moment for this week's View from the Pew. In one of his recent Wednesday audiences, Pope Francis said that Christian prayer is no walk in the park. And even when saints describe prayer as joyful, it was also tedious and tiring. Nevertheless, they persisted in prayer. So whether you are just beginning to develop a consistent prayer practice or are looking for a new approach to spiritual growth, 10 Ways to Pray, a Catholic guide for drawing closer to God by Carolyn Pirtle can help you on your way. In the pages of this new book out by Ave Maria Press, Carolyn explores a variety of traditional forms of Catholic prayer that will enable you to draw closer to God, the saints in heaven, and the church on earth. Carolyn is with me today to share more about her new book. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Carolyn, right off the bat, in the forward, you say this book originated from prayer stations. Can you explain that to our listeners? Yeah, so um, we have, in the McGrath Institute for Church Life, we have numerous programs for formation of various audiences. So um, we work, for example, with high school students. We work with college undergraduates. We work with graduate students. Um, and in these varying degrees um, and in these varying age levels, we have um, this kind of spiritual formation that we undertake with them. And so, you know, my colleagues have brilliantly developed um, what they what they refer to as prayer stations. And essentially, it's, it's kind of like you go to a prayer station to kind of learn about a different tradition within the, the Catholic Church. And so for people who um, think that there's really only one way to pray or have no idea how to pray, it's a really great um, kind of brief dive into many different forms of prayer at a time. So you can kind of get a little taste for each form of prayer and decide which one, you know, kind of speaks to you and resonates within your heart. Oh, so interesting. I love the idea of that. And especially to help our young people develop that prayer life. That is absolutely perfect. Well, Carolyn, the saints pray. Our priest, deacon, religious pray. And Pope Francis is spending months of his audiences on prayer. Why mm-hmm. so much emphasis on this practice? Well, I mean, prayer is, I mean, it's the living out of our Christian life, right? You know, it's its um, the way that we communicate with God, the way that God communicates with us. And of course, certainly God communicates with His people through the scriptures and through the tradition of the church. But on an individual level, um, prayer is, is, you know, the catechism calls it our, our relationship with God. And so um, every person has been created in God's image and likeness, of course, as we read in, in the creation story from Genesis. And every person, you know, again, going to the catechism, has kind of implanted within the heart a natural desire for God, and indeed has been created with a natural desire for God. And so I think prayer is is the kind of reaching out of the person um, in response to God's initiative and God's call to be in relationship. You know, um, one of the things that I... I consistently have to be reminded of is that when we pray, it's actually, you know, while I might make a decision about 
when I pray or where I pray or how I pray, you know, whether I pray the rosary or, you know, like your divina or another practice, my, my prayer is actually a response to the promptings of God within my heart and that, that kind of nudge that God um, is drawing me into relationship with himself. And so, you know, God invites us to that relationship and our response to that relationship is, is the response of prayer. Oh, I love that. The name of the book, 10 Ways to Pray, A Catholic Guide for Drawing Closer to God. It is out by Carolyn Pirtle, and she is joining me today to share more about how you can pray. While prayer takes on many practices, you say it basically falls into four categories that can be remembered by the word acts. Tell our listeners what that means. So um, acts are, you know, it's, it's a fun little acronym, um, adoration, uh, contrition, thanksgiving, and supplication. And so, um, you know, adoration basically is is the attitude or the the um, posture that is appropriate for the creature who's approaching her creator, right? So God is God and I am not, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so because God is God and we are not, um, adoration is the posture that's proper to God, right? So or the posture, the posture that it's appropriate for us to assume in relation to God. And so adoration is basically just us thanking God for being God, you know, and thanking God for, for being who God is and for um, being a God who, you know, has revealed himself to his creatures and, and who wants to be in relationship with his people. And then, of course, contrition is, um, you know, of course, we recognize that we don't often live in right relationship with God, that we make mistakes, that we are fallen creatures because of our our sinfulness and our and our share in the original sin of our first parents, right? And so, um, you know, as much as we want to try to be in perfect relationship with God, we know that that's just not possible because we're human. And um, so contrition is the way in which, you know, we, we acknowledge that we failed to live as God has created us and called us to be. And, and we express our desire to do better, um, it's not it's not just this kind of um, self-flagellating, like mea culpa constantly, right? But mm-hmm. it's, it's saying, um, you know, I've messed up and and I want to do better. Like there's there is the acknowledgement of failure, but it's rooted in a desire to grow in love for God. And so I think that's important to remember when, when it comes to contrition. And then, of course, Thanksgiving um, is is something that should flow into, I think, every every facet of our lives. My boss, John Cavadini, loves to say that the Christian life is all about learning how to say thank you better, right? And so the prayer of Thanksgiving is one that acknowledges God and God's greatness and God's goodness and acknowledges that everything that we have, literally every breath, everything that we are, everything that we do, everything that we have comes from God. And so Thanksgiving, um, it, it really is that expression of you know, right relationship and the fact that everything is a gift and everything is specifically a gift that God offers out of his love for us, right? And then finally, supplication really is the prayer. And, you know, I think this is what most people think of. It's often also called intercession. Um, so it's the prayer in which we we ask God for things, right? Because we need help, right? We can't make this journey on our on our own. And in fact, we have not been created to make this journey on our own. We've been created to make this journey in communion and in the company of God. Um, and God wants to accompany us on our journey. God wants us to ask for things. And so one way to think about this, you know, supplication is often a prayer that we make on our own behalf. 
And intercession is, is kind of a subform of supplication. It can be understood as a prayer that's made on behalf of somebody else, right? So when we when we ask for things for ourselves, um, we're engaging in that form of prayer. And then when we pray for other people, that's that's another form of supplication as well. So all of these things kind of combine um, in, into making prayer really a conversation, a dialogue. Um, it's it's very tempting to, especially in the supplication form to let your prayer become kind of a soliloquy. Mm. <laughs> and so um, the other forms of prayer really kind of open us up to, you know, receiving from God as much as we kind of place and ask God for things. Um, so it, it becomes much more of a dialogue than, than a monologue. Oh, so interesting. I love the, and you make it so simple in remembering the word acts that you'll be able to recall all of those very, very easily. Carolyn's new book is 10 Ways to Pray, a Catholic guide for drawing closer to God. Carolyn, you're discussing, as the title says, 10 ways to pray. Now, are these 10 ways, ways that the church tells us how we should pray or what you've experienced yourself or talking with others through what you had described previously in those prayer stations? So these um, the forms of prayer that emerged, um, they are... They were included in the original prayer stations, but all of those were drawn from the prayers of the tradition of the church, right? So, you know, um, these everything that's being talked about in the book has been around for a really long time. And so there's not going to, there may not be anything in this book that if you're well-versed in the life of prayer, um, there may not be anything new. It might just be a new way into a particular form of prayer, the one that you might already be familiar with. So, for example, a lot of people might be familiar with devotional prayer, and that would include things like the Rosary or Stations of the Cross or a Novena to a particular saint. Um, but I think, you know, the way that this book sort of presents these forms of prayer is that they're all rooted in the liturgical prayer, which is the prayer of the church. Um, so when we pray, you know, on an individual level with devotional prayer or, you know, scriptural meditation, Lexio Divina, praying um, with the Ignatian examine prayer, you know, those are things that we undertake as individuals. But when we pray the liturgical prayer of the church, we're praying as the body of Christ. Um, it, it, that's where we say we and not I. Um, and so I think, you know, the liturgical prayer of the church is is what all of our personal prayers should be flowing forth from and leading back to. So there's that kind of reciprocal relationship um, and so what I've tried to do throughout the book is is kind of hearken back to the ways that these other forms of prayer lead us back to the liturgy and and help us, you know, as we come forth from the liturgy, it helps us to engage in these forms of prayer in a deeper way. Oh, I love it. I would encourage all of our listeners to pick up a copy. Carolyn, where are they going to be able to get a copy of 10 Ways to Pray? So you can order it through the Ave Maria Press website, or you can order them even on Amazon.com. All right. Fantastic. So easy to do. Carolyn, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. And the name of the book is 10 Ways to Pray, A Catholic Guide for Drawing Closer to God. It is out by Ave Maria Press. The author is Carolyn Pertle. I will be sure to include a link to where you can get a copy for yourself. And you're going to find that link on the podcast of this interview at materdayradio.com. So carefully sculpting me like clay. I can see you in my face and I never Stop!
And now it's time for this week's View from the Pew. Scott, 10 ways to pray. I'm pretty sure I am partially versed in two, maybe three of those ways. Boy, praying, well, it's kind of like exercising. Yeah, you know, we took a whole semester to learn about prayer and the forms of prayer, particularly the prayers that we reflect on in the Old Testament with regard to the Psalms. And just capturing that alone, the Psalms, what does what does that book of prayers contain? It contains all the joys, all the agonies of the human experience in those 150 Psalms. And so one of the things we had to learn in formation was how to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. And before I had entered into formation, I had never prayed Liturgy of the Hours. So we were both in a learning process and a learning curve to understand how to do that because there is a form to it right now they gave each of us a shorter christian prayer book to follow now if you've ever prayed liturgy of the hours you can get the shorter christian prayer book you can get the christian prayer book and then you can get the full four volume liturgy of the hours now the shorter christian prayer book there's a little bit of flipping back and forth as you are saying the prayers and i got to tell you those the first it, you know, few months probably, because I wasn't going regularly with you. I had no idea where we were. I'd get to about the halfway point, and then it was time to flip back to find the antiphon, and that was it. I was done for. And 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 it almost was frustrating if I wasn't giggling because we were in a group of people who were all praying who seemed to know what they were doing. I most definitely did not. And it. It wasn't until I learned, oh, there's actually other volumes that will have it all laid out for you. And fortunately, with cell phones now and smartphones, you can just pull it up every single day and it'll give you the whole thing start to finish. You know, we need to be merciful with ourselves and with other people when prayer happens, because I think people kind of when when new one, new people come to the mass and they've never prayed those prayers before and they're they're looking pensive and timid about how to, how to say them, how often do we actually encourage them? Or what do we say? We, it's, it can be very um, disconnecting in some ways for people who don't know. And so the church has a responsibility to teach the prayers and the why of the prayers, and it takes practice. And anything we do in our faith, it is premised on the reality that we are habitual creatures. And the good habits we form, like prayer, are part of the the salvation revealed. And boy, I'll tell you that you get out of practice of praying and you go back to it and you're like, oh my gosh, I kind of feel like my neck's out of whack or my my back's out of whack. You know, it there's a, or my muscles hurting. You know, it's kind of that sense of exercise fatigue because we haven't prayed in a while. And that's like exercising. So I'm on an exercise kick right now. And I, you know, two, three times a week, I'm trying to either get out and walk or I go into the garage where you've cleared out an area for me that I can put on a, a, a you know, stream a, an exercise video. Now, I started up uh, several months ago and the soreness that my 50 something body felt after about two days of that workout was intense. And so I kind of didn't do it again for another few weeks. And then I said, nope, I said I was going to start exercising and I did it again. And sure enough, maybe not quite as bad, but that pain was there. And it wasn't until I said, okay, I, I can't let this stop me. I've got to keep going. And now I feel like I'm, my body is starting to adjust. The problem and difficulty that I have with prayer is 
I, I turn to prayer when there's something big happening, when I have to make a big decision or I'm looking for a, you know, to transition, uh, some type of life transition. And I will start praying and I'll, I'll pick up my rosary and I'll pray it every day. But then what happens is the situation is resolved. Mm. And then I put my rosary beads down and then there they sit and I don't pick it back up again. Not exactly the way right. prayer is meant to be. I think if I looked at all of the ways of prayer, remember uh, Carolyn talked about acts, adoration, uh, contrition, thanksgiving, and s- supplication. I'm always in intercessory, in supplication. I'm always asking for something, right? And I think maybe I spend too much time. I need to spend maybe more time leveling out all my forms of prayer. And I think that's just the human nature that that we struggle with, but that Christ himself was teaching the apostles the the need, the absolute need. As much as we drink and eat in a day, we have a spiritual, which translates into a physical need to pray in terms of our mental and and our emotional well-being. Even though when we pray, we might go, gosh, I just don't feel it. But the value of doing it First has to be recognized that it starts not with me and my will to say, I'm going to go pray today. I'm prompted by the Holy Spirit at that moment to go pray. And that that's a connection that oftentimes is disconnected. When people pray, they're going, I'm just going to pray because I'm going to will my faith back. But you know what? When you have that moment, you need to stop and say, hey, I'm actually wanting to pray. The Holy Spirit has inspired me to pray, and therefore I'm praying. And so we, we have these expectations. And like you're saying, when you, when you have that intercessory need, and once the need is met, it's kind of the, the point of prayer may be lessened or forgotten, but it's the constancy. It's the constancy. Just like we go receive the Eucharist every Sunday, hopefully. That's, that's the intent because we need that constancy of Christ in our life. And one of the things that I received in my diaconal formation was just a simple five-step ways to be more diaconal and diaconal means to serve not just that's not just reserved to me as the deacon all of us are called to be diaconal and to serve one another and the five steps are do less pray more do whatever he tells you suffer be more fruitful and the last one be more fruitful that's what we really want we want hey i want to feel it i want to be um, you know motivated right but you have to go through that first do less Pray more, and then it begins to unfold. Scott, before we go, why don't you end us in a prayer today? Let's uh, let's pray uh, Hail Mary in honor of Sister Mary Immaculate together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Please tune in next week as we share with you more stories about our faith, our family, and our view from the pew. God bless. Have a great week. You've been listening to View from the Pew, a weekly look at faith and family life from a Catholic perspective with Deacon Scott and Brenda Aiken. For more information on the Aikens and to listen to an archive of their previous shows, visit them online at moderndayradio.com slash pew. View from the Pew is produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio in Portland, Oregon.